Blog Talk Radio. and they're more 
they're more uh, positive. They're more they're more in line with with well, they're more like Boy Scouts than than uh, than a bunch of hoodlums. You know, I mean, so 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 what we we use them on the back of the uh, of the Boy uh, Sigils. Now, the interesting thing about this is that, uh, and I'm patting myself on the back here a little bit. Uh, uh, Stephen Skinner gives me uh, gives me credit for for learning this from Dr. Rudd. Uh, and in the book of Solomon's Magic, of course, you see we we have the the Shemayham Farash angels, and then we use them on the back of the sigils and all, and then we explain all this, and we have them in the Master Mandala. We have them right linked up, so so they're all you know linked up in one system. Now, uh, Steve Skinner said, "Oh well, you know, Pope Runyon, he's uh, he's following Doctor Rudd in this." Well, I didn't know I was following Doctor Rudd. I <laughs> I came up with this all by myself, uh, and uh, because I thought it was a good idea, you know. I mean, hey, we got these seventy-two angels uh, running around, uh, and 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 then we have a seventy-two Galatian spirits, and they both run around the zodiac. So why don't we use them together, and we can use them as a, as a you know a controlling factor and a safety factor for the Galatian spirits. So I came up with this all by myself, and I started doing it. And uh, and then come to find out um, that well first first let me say this uh, so I did that so Aaron Lettich comes out to this article and says oh this is wrong you shouldn't use these Shemayam for Archangel of the Galatia they have no connection with the Galatia on and on and on and on and on and you know I was feeling kind of like oh gosh I'm sorry I yelled but I thought it was a good idea and then I come to find out. <laughs> that Thomas Rudd was doing it, and and three other Galatian magicians in those days, 400 years ago, were doing it. Uh, Joe Peterson came out with this really beautiful Lamegaton, you know, this, this, uh, the, the, the only Lamegaton you'll ever need. And and we discovered this. And so, uh, yeah, you know, Aaron is right. They are two totally different systems as far as derivation is concerned. Because the Shemayam Parash angels, as most of us know, are derived from those those uh, three verses in Exodus, which just happen to have 72 letters and, and all that. But what happened was, this is way back about four or 500 years ago, some uh, some Goetic magician uh, looked at the those uh, you know looked at those 72 angels and said aha and did the same thing and then ever then the rest of the Galatian magicians picked it up and we've been doing it ever since so uh, you know we stole them for square and if we stole them in five four hundred years ago that means they're ours now and they work very very well but uh, you can do them the Shemayam Parash angels. You can do them on their own right. You don't have to. You don't have to be connected with the Galatia necessarily. You can go ahead and 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 call them up or call them down, and and they they are really really wonderful, and they they do a lot of great things for you. You know, like uh, let's see, Aziel does. He helps keep promises and obtains the friendship of the great, and he dominates good faith and influences sincerity and sincerity and faith. And then uh, Aladiah helps hide secrets and dominates plague and, and rabies, too, in case your dog bites you, and influences healing. So, you know, you can do a lot with these angels. Now, 
let's talk about how we do angels and so-called good spirits as a quote. Now, you know that, that we have this business of the rebellious spirits and the not-so-good spirits, the fallen angels or whatever. We do those in a, um, a process called evocation. And evocation, uh, and it's, we, we say that it means drawing things out of yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that it's just strictly in your subconscious because it links up to the universal mind and it has a far greater and a deeper reach than just yourself. But essentially, you're bringing them out of yourself. And so evocation, we use a circle, and the circle is inviolate. Then we put a, prop a triangle up and put the dark mirror or speculum in the triangle, and, and we stare at the triangle, and we stare at this dark mirror, and get our reflection seen through the sigil which we put on the mirror and and you know what happens and the, the, the reflection our reflection fades out and the, and the spirit comes in and and we we have a, a contact now that's evocation and that's uh that's where you where you put the spirits that are and they're rebellious or they're not so good or they're or they're they're not they're not holy angels particularly Quite frankly, this is all a dualistic value judgment that that really in these in this modern day <laughs> what we you know defining evil is not this we don't define evil the same way as they defined evil back in the in the in the middle ages we certainly don't but that evocation is you know still uh you can say that these are these spirits are related to rebellious aspects of your psyche and therefore. Uh, you want to handle them with this kind of system. Now, on the other hand, angels. Now, I want to say, I tell you honestly that I don't think all angels are all that good. I mean, the angels are very powerful, and and some angels, if you know, if you're into angelology, uh, and uh, if you, especially if you have Davidson's Dictionary of Angels, and everybody's going to have a copy of Davidson's. A dictionary of angels. I mean, that's just that's that's standard work. Uh, you'll realize if you go through David's, some of these angels are pretty ferocious. I mean, just because they're angels, they're, ooh, you know. Uh, and I think probably more more savagery has been done under the aegis of the archangel Michael than probably Asmodeus. Uh, but uh, you know, still the angel is essentially a, a messenger of God. And an angel is is in charge of various natural forces. And although the angel may not personify a natural force the way a pagan god does, the angel is uh, rules the uh, rules the balance of the force, as as it were. So we, when we started our system off uh, back in 1970, 1969, 70, got it started. Uh, we're, I was very much influenced by, by Franz Barden and, and, uh, at that time, and I, I understood that Western magic, really hermetic magic, is, uh, is defined by these five elements, air, earth, fire, water, and spirit, that holds them together. And, of course, these are the old elements that, that Empedocles, you know, declared way back in 500 B.C., and then he, then he went and jumped in the volcano, and, and we haven't heard from him since. But, uh, but these, these four elements plus spirit are what 
hermetic magic is really all about. And don't just take my word for that. You know, you read the first uh, chapters of Initiation into Hermetics, and Barton drives that through uh, time and time again. Now, what we wanted to do is to personify these elements, the positive aspects of these elements, as as angelic forms. So in the OTA, we may we have a, we have a really strong emphasis on uh, on air, earth, fire, and water. Air is Raphael, earth is Ariel, water is Gabriel, and fire is Mikael. And we put them around the quadrants. They they reinforce our circle. We uh, we establish our circle with a modified Golden Dawn pentagram ritual where we establish these angels at the quarters. Now we also uh, we also personify the gender of the angels according to the nature of the elements. So this means that Mikael and Raphael are masculine. That's that's air and fire, uh, and uh, and uh, Gabriel and, and Oriel are feminine, and that's water and earth. And then, of course, they're also they represent the Grail Hallows. They represent the tarot, the tarot emblems, and the Grail Hallows. Michael has the lance. Gabriel has the cup. Oriel has the shield or the or the the, the platen and See, who am I forgetting here? Raphael has the sword, and yeah, that's the sword of the sword of wisdom that that, that that separates. Now, in our tradition, of course, uh, these these uh, these angels also they do double duty or triple duty. They also live in the in the various uh, spheres of the tree of life. Gabriel is, uh, is in. in in charge of the the lunar sphere, yes, so on, and and Raphael, well, yeah, Prothemius never could figure out whether he wanted to put whether he wanted to put Raphael in Tippereth or whether he wanted to put Michael in Tippereth, and so well, we just went along with the Golden Dawn and put Raphael in in Tippereth and Mikael in Hod and Oriel in Malkuth, more or less in Malkuth. We also have Sandalfon down there, so we have. Um, all of our system is really coordinated with these four archangels and the spirit. Now, our master mandala, which which links up the you know the the Shemayan Parash angels with the with the Goetia spirits, that's all set up in in, in uh, quadrants where each one of these archangels is is over overall, and what whatever you're doing. Uh, in a quadrant of the circle uh, is really under the aegis of that uh, that particular angel. Now, angels are creatures of light. Now, we can personify them, and uh, we have, uh, you know, as Michael George has these beautiful paintings of these angels. I have, I have my my angel figures are are a little simpler because I I set my angel figures up. To, to give people a basis for visualization, and so I didn't. Uh, I made them. I made them simpler. Simpler artwork. Um, so you can personify an angel uh, with wings and, and make it male or female or whatever. And angels uh, are not necessarily male or female. They can, they, they, they're kind of androgynous. And if if the truth be known, an angel appears in the form that you want to see the angel in and the angel wants you to, to, to see him or her in, 
if they actually want to show you that form. Now, an important point I want to make here is that uh, angel magic uh, in a crystal, using a crystal ball, angel magic, you don't have to see a physical type representation of the angel. Uh, you really don't, because an angel is a creature of light, and and so you you consequently you don't you it's not necessary for you to see this this little figure walking around on the top of the altar or 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 floating around inside the crystal ball. That's not necessary. And in fact, uh, some people do. Some people uh, they have that kind of clairvoyance, and they and they do. They see a face in the crystal, or they see a full figure in the crystal. And Ian Kelly, I mean, they even had them walking around on the altar top. Uh, but you um, you must understand that an angel is is a is God's. You're bringing it down. It's God's. Uh, it's God's messenger, and it and it has the, it is a creature of light. So it is not necessary to see it in a personified form in order to have a very powerful contact and a very powerful visionary experience, and I'll explain that in a minute. Now, the operative technique for angel magic, the operative technique is uh, a combination of scrying and ceremonial hypnosis where you're uh, where you're bringing yourself to a state of of, of ecstasy, of trans ecstasy, by chanting, and you're staring at this crystal, and an optical phenomenon here again will occur. Uh, the way we do this is that we sit on a low stool and we stare up at the altar top. Now the reason why we stare up at the altar top is is because when you stare up at something. Uh, you're automatically closer to uh, to a trance state. Uh, I I learned this from Jose Silva's uh, book on mind control. It uh, he probably learned it from somewhere else, but but I found out with kind of a bit of experimentation that that looking up at a crystal ball from from a low position is really uh, far better than staring down at it or staring straight at it. And then what we do is we have we have uh, an altar top that has these uh, little enclosures like horns around the sides. You probably most of you have seen it in one of our videos. They have little little enclosures that that hold the candles and reflect them inward. And so we can have four people sitting around the altar staring up at the crystal. And with four candles in these little enclosures, all pointing in toward the crystal, and then we have slots around the uh, the the crystal, around the circle. We have these four slots, and the incense comes up from a chamber in the bottom, and the incense comes up and floats up around the crystal, and the lights reflect on the crystal. And and if this is set up correctly, uh, the other people around. Each have to have an equal view of the crystal, but they're not intruding on each other's view. Now, this is tremendously effective. If you are having, and you don't have to be clairvoyant. You, 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 if you, if you do your, if you do your minimum of yoga training of what we call Tradakam yoga. In other words, if you, if you spend uh, a week or so, you know, if you, if you about. Ten minutes a day staring at a at, at a at a fixed object, 
and in a meditative state, train yourself to focus on a fixed object and not think about anything, then you will have the right mindset and uh, then then what this this will work absolutely beautifully and this is by the way the way they did it in the old days and i'm going to i'm going to establish that beyond any doubt because uh you know people say oh well you know you guys are inventing all kinds of new stuff now i want to read you something from um years ago adam mclean uh published a treatise on angel magic by thomas rudd and uh and Thomas Rudd was the successor to John Dee in the uh, the early um, the early 1600s. And uh, Tom Rudd uh, wrote in this treatise on angel magic. He said, "The signs of appearance, both of good and evil spirits, are and ought to be carefully and well observed. By reason they are foregoers of such an appearance." and whereby are known the differences thereof, which is a matter of material consequence and shall be more plainly shown forth. Good angels. If good angels or elemental powers of light or otherwise dignified spirits of benevolent or symbolizing nature with the celestial powers and allied to the welfare and preservation of mankind, are moved and called forth to visible appearance in a crystal stone or glass receiver as one usual way or customary form is among the learned magicians, then the sign of their appearance most seemeth like a veil or curtain or some beautiful color hanging in and about the stone or glass as a bright cloud or other pretty kind of hieroglyphical show, both strange and very delightful to behold. Now there it is, because absolutely what Tom Rudd has just written there 450 years ago is exactly what happens when you stare up at that crystal on that on that altar and and you've been chanting Raphael, 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 and then then the the aura it, it, it's it's a beautiful gold gold color in uh, uh, with a with a deep 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 violet a deep electric violet with this beautiful gold halo around it, and when that happens. You know you are. You have a presence. You know you you you're on holy ground. Now, then the angel can speak through you, and I I will you know I'll just go around the the the, the altar and say, Soror, so and so, does the angel speak from you through you? And 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 she if it does, then she'll start speaking. If not, she'll say not at this time. Then I'll go to the next uh, the next brother or sister around it. And, and all the way around, and, and, and we'll, we'll quite often we'll have we'll have two at least two people uh, in the operation will actually channel, and we do this we do this rather regularly. We do this quite quite often. So this whole channeling process is not uh, not something where you have to be a clairvoyant or you have to do, you you can train yourself to do this. And this the now I want to point out something here that. Uh, Using our, our methods today, using 
using our our yoga and our self hypnosis training and 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 operating the way we do today. If John D had known how to do this, if he'd known those the, how to train himself to do this, he would not have had to hire Edward Kelly. And an Okian might might have been quite a bit different than than the way it was. In those days, magicians, Western magicians, didn't have, they didn't know how to do this. So they had to depend on clairvoyance. I Abraham the Jew in, in, uh, in, in The Magic of Amber Melody used a child. Well, today, if you, if you did that, you took a child and, 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 and put him through that kind of thing, you'd be arrested for child abuse. But uh, they, 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 they had no choice. They didn't know how to do it. And uh, Coriostro, same way. The, the, uh, this business of, of going out and getting clairvoyance or getting children to do this was because in those days they didn't have the technique. Now, the technique, as I said, it involves a combination of self-hypnotic training. Everybody that everybody that does this kind of work, evocation and invocation, should train themselves in self-hypnosis. And don't just do it with a tape recorder. Do it with your own voice. You need that loop. So you train yourself with self-hypnosis, which is good for you in a number, any number of ways. I mean, self-hypnosis is good for your health. It's good for, it's good for, uh, uh, you use it for, you know, to quit smoking. You can use it for a whole bunch of good things. But it's, I think it's essential training for magic. Now, the other thing is, as I said, this type of Pranakam yoga, which is, which is a part of Raja yoga, by the way. Now, when we first started doing this, we uh, we based our Raja Yoga program on uh, Ramutri Mishra's Fundamentals of Yoga. If you can find that book, it's a, it's a great book. It's, it went through a whole bunch of editions, but right now it's kind of difficult to find. And it's called Fundamentals of Yoga by Ramutri Mishra, but it's essentially Raja Yoga. And uh, he had a device in there called the Samadhi Lamp. So we built one of these things, and what it is is basically just a shield that you put on a on a ceiling fixture, and you screw a blue bulb, a blue blue bulb, not an ultraviolet, straighter blue bulb, in in a ceiling fixture, and then you hang this shield under it, a round shield, has a hole in it, and then there's what we did was we just took it, uh, uh, opaque translucent cap from a spray paint can, put a black dot in the middle of it, stuck that in there, and then you lay under this thing and look up at it, and, and it's very hypnotic, and we would just lie under it and look up at it, and, and this would this would get you into this, it, it, would, it, it would serve the purpose of, of Trotacom training. Well, yeah, it does. And if you want to build one, fine. And, and I, I've got a description of it in the Book of Solomon's Magic. And you can lay under that. That'll teach you without any verbal instruction. That'll teach you how to do this. But a lot of people can't do that, don't have overhead fixtures, and uh, it's a lot of work, whatever. So well, we've been using recently a, a Raja Yoga technique that we learned from from uh, Oberon Silesio, that, that this pearl uh, where we sit. And we put a little little imitation pearl down on a little piece of black felt, and we sit in a sauna and we just stare at it. 
and you stare at it. You don't you don't think anything. You don't let the pearl play games with you. You just stare at the pearl, and you try to stare at the pearl for five minutes without having any kind of interruption, any kind of thought coming in. And especially, you don't want to think about a hippopotamus. I mean, you, you don't hear you. Uh, uh, that's a dirty one. That, 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 pull that one on you, on your students. Yeah. But you stare at that pearl, and you stare at it long enough, and you keep it up long enough, and, and all sorts of strange things will start to happen. But still, uh, that's good training for, for staring at the crystal ball. And, and of course, also the dark mirror. Now, the altar itself that I was mentioning, um, you know, you really don't have to have this elaborate setup to do this kind of work. But you, really, all you need, basic bare bones, is a good crystal ball or even a good glass, clear glass ball will work fine. We, had a, we used a clear glass ball for years, and it works very, very well. Now we have a, you know, a, one of these... Madagascar rock crystal balls it's just that uh, multifaceted and all that. That's fine, too. But you need a good glass or crystal ball in a dragon, those little dragon stands, and you need um, and an incense burner and a couple of candles and a nice altar cloth. And really, that is all you really need. However, if you want to experience this uh, really, really experiences, I think, at optimum. You should have the incense coming up around the ball, and you should have the ball, you should have the altar top elevated, and those those horns on the altar uh, reflecting the light inward. That, that creates a marvelous effect. And uh, so I would suggest that you that you look carefully uh, in the Book of Solomon's Magic. We have plans for that altar top. Uh, now we, uh, you don't have to build that big double cube. We, we now have a, a have a couple of interlocking slats that are a lot more portable and a lot easier to use. Think about building building an altar top that, that that does that, and it's not that difficult. You don't have to be as elaborate as ours. Uh, I think that um, this is the way you should start uh, before you get into into evocation with a mirror and all. You should actually. And you know, in the OTA, we we make everybody, all of our first degree people, they all have to do each one of these angels. They have to do each one of the of the major four archangels of the elements, and they have to do a successful uh, evocation. Get the angel inside and and make contact with the angels, and that is one of our requirements before they they can go into go into the the, uh, the Galatia program in a second degree. Now, uh, relating some experiences, uh, and I said that we were going to relate some experiences we had at Crystal doing this work on it. Now, one of the best ones I think I can mention is we're talking about the Shemmy Humphorash angels. So, um, I remember the time we did Vahuya. Now, Vahuya is the opposite spirit, that's number one, and he is opposite to Ma'il, who is Baal, of course, uh, in the in the first of the Galatia. So we did Vahuya, uh, and we did him on the on the Almadel altar on our on our altar. And when I channeled him, I asked him when we had him when we had the contact, and it was a good strong contact. And I asked him, I said, "What's really the difference 
what what what's the real difference between the, uh, you people or you 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 and 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 the Galatia spirits? Where what what's the major difference between the two of you? And he came back and said, "They are the knowledge. We are the wisdom. They are the art. We are the power." Now, I could never have come up with anything like that. It's not that I'm incapable of it. It's just that it's just not something I would say. And I got to thinking about it later, and I realized this is, oh, boy. I mean, he really he really nailed it right there. We got another call. Oh, you're on the, on the air at Sacramento Hour. Who am I speaking with? Um, yes, this is Emmanuel from Brooklyn. How are you tonight, Polk? Well, I'm... I'm on a roll here with angels. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what's your question? Oh, yes. I didn't mean to break your train of thought. It's actually related to angels. It may seem a little bit off the cuff different, but I also, like, you know, study, like, other um, systems of mythology from around the world, and I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the um, the four great classics of China? Well, I yeah, a little bit, but... Out taking and, and and whatever, but I'm not really that much. Um, I'm not that much into um, um, Chinese Chinese magic. I I've got you know, I got it on my list of things to really get into one of these days. But no, I'm really not. Uh, oh. And uh, I, but um, I know that um, that, that uh, Crowley was Crowley really liked the uh, the eating and <laughs> and Steve Skinner does too. Uh, what uh, what uh, you want to relate that to? I mean, oh well, this is something that I'm still like researching myself, but you may find interest in one of the four great Chinese classes. The second one is called um, it, the translation has a couple of names: Outlaw of the Marsh, or Water Margin, or All Men of Brothers. It's a story that's based on real historic facts, and it became canonized as a story about a rebellion that took place against a corrupt government where 108 warriors rose up and they raised an army to fight the government. Now, this is the part that gets really interesting that relates to the topic you discussed last week on magical astrology. That 108 was broken up into, of, of the chief warriors that raised the army, was broken up into two groups, and one of the groups was called the 36 Heavenly Chiefs, and the other group was called the 72 Earthly Fiends. Yeah, well, it sounds like the seventy-two might have a might have a, a astrological magical significance. You know, we um, um, they have seventy-two jinn, uh, the, the seventy-two genies uh, from the Arabian tradition, exactly. and of course we have the seventy-two angels of the Shemayam Farash, and we have the seventy-two Goetia spirits. Seventy-two is a number that uh, you know that really relates to the to the zodiac, so. It it it's kind of a universal kind of a universal idea there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because one of the um critical um or like notes I read in relation to that story is that many of the warriors that like fought to like in the rebellion and helped raise an army, a lot of them. This is the part that's very interesting. A lot of them that was demons that reincarnated into these mythological human forms. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it's a little bit further. Away from what we're doing, but but I think there there's there are. Uh, are you into Carl Jung at all? Oh yes, I love Jung. Well, yeah. See, what I'm saying is that these archetypes, at a certain level, these archetypes are 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 universal, 
and and what you've got here is a synchronicity. Along that line, um, uh, I you know Stephen Skinner has this terrific book, The Complete Magician's Tables, and he's got because he is into Chinese magic, he has all kinds of uh, Oriental correspondences in here too. This this is uh, about seven 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 taken to the third power. I mean it's it's really a Good. I, I, I strongly recommend it, and for this business of, of checking these these cross correspondences. Uh, so check that out if you would. The Complete Magician's Tables by Stephen Skinner, and uh, I think you'll find a lot of really really interesting information in there. Anyway, I got to get on and wrap this up. So thanks for calling. Uh, thank and you very we'll, much, Paul. Yeah. Okay. Right. Bye. One of the things that, that that you have, of course, in the in the business of uh, magical invocation around the around the double cube altar, uh, is that the angel will appear and will speak differently to each person. This this becomes it, it's the same it the same angel, but it it it'll have a different message or a, a different projection for each of the uh, for each of the people around there. So uh, you get you get let's say you have four people scrying, four people in the the invocation operation. You're going to have you're going to have four different uh, different impressions of what the angel is saying. Although it may be all along the same line, probably will be. Uh, but um, uh, this gives the personal and the and the the, uh, the transpersonal aspect of it, and so you get it all. Now, um, this channeling process, uh, one of the things that's important to it, if you if you train yourself in self hypnosis, it makes it much much easier for the for the angel to just start speaking with your voice. It makes it far easier to do that because you've already trained. You're, you've already talked back and forth to your subconscious in your self-hypnosis training. makes it much, much easier to do this. Uh, now, uh, you have to, of course, understand that, that, that sometimes or the voice will, will change. Sometimes the angel will, will sound uh, different, uh, different than your voice. Sometimes it won't. Sometimes uh, it'll, just, uh, you'll just, uh, it'll just use your voice as your voice. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a an actual channeling, and it actually uh, uh, and also I want to point out and I want to re reiterate again and, and emphasize that it is not necessary. It is not necessary to see the angel's face or the angel's form in the crystal. Not with angel magic. We we go for visions in the mirror, but not in angel magic. That that. The angel is a creature of light, as a creature of, of of tremendous power, and and uh, you're going to that that the, the crystal ball is going to do marvelous things. I, you, I, it's difficult to describe how beautiful it will be and how powerful it will be, but you don't need to see the angel's face. See, you can if you, you know, if you do, that's fine. Now. Um, I mentioned here in our abstract that we were going to discuss talisman construction and charging. Well, uh, we're going to have to briefly do that. Now, here's this is one of the practical aspects of, of angel magic. 
Now, you get the get the uh, famous the famous everybody's famous talisman book, Mather's version of the Key of Solomon. You get this and uh, and get your find your talisman and and trace your talisman out uh, on on vellum or on on uh, parchment paper, and then when you get your talisman and you can use cameos for planetary spirits on this too. Now. Uh, yeah, the planetary, the Kameas, uh, the planetary spirits are very, very powerful, very old, very powerful, but the, uh, um, the intelligence is the good guy, supposedly, and the spirit is the not-so-good guy. It doesn't matter. Do them in the crystal. Do them, do them. It's a planetary spirit. You can do it in the crystal. Uh, and, and Stephen Skinner and I agree on that. There are some... This idea that, that that they all have to be good is not necessarily true as long as they're planetary spirits or angels or whatever you do in the crystal. Now, uh, when you do this, uh, you, the talisman, Kamea or or the Solomonic out of the Key of Solomon or whatever, uh, combination of the two. I like to do the combination of the two. I do a Solomonic uh, out of the Key of Solomon on one side, and I do a the Kamea on the other side, and then. You put that, you slip that talisman right under uh, the and in, in the in those dragon stands that you can get at the occult shops. That they're perfect for just slipping that talisman right in inside there, so that the crystal reflects down on it. And then uh, when you you ask the angel, of course, to charge the talisman. And you can also, if you if you want to make the talisman more yours, you can you can put a little drop of blood on it if you want to. Uh, or a drop of something else, or whatever, and uh, you can make the uh, that personalizes the talisman. Now, the light comes down and reflects on the talisman. The incense comes up, and you're actually charging that talisman with the purpose and, uh, with the purpose of your operation. The angel is charging it for you. This is very, very, very effective, and we've had some some. Uh, you know, some really uh, wonderful results with that. And I want to encourage you that this, another thing I want to, I want to leave you with this thought, that Goetia is exciting and and sometimes a little bit scary and sometimes, and it's very, you know, it's very dramatic if you do it, you know, full ritual style and all of that. However, in the long haul as a magician, you are going to find that, that that crystal ball on that altar is where the real power is and where the real inspiration is. I I have I sometimes you know I jokingly say that I'm a crystal ball chunky, but well you know uh, I think that if one of those invocations done properly, the right planetary hour, the right planetary day, the right phase of the moon, the whole, you have everything, get everything right, get the right spirit and all, and this can be so powerful that it is that it is more powerful and certainly more insightful than any psychedelic trip you could take. So I want to leave you with that, that this is, this is really, really the... This is the high, the high point, as far as I'm concerned, of uh, of visionary magic. This is the, this is the, the the highest element of visionary magic. And now, um, next week, 
we'll also have call-ins next week. We have uh, next week we will um, we'll have call-ins again, and next week we're going to review. We're going to review and hit the high points on all of the the programs that we've done thus far. We're going to take all of those subjects and we're going to review, just generally review them. And the reason why I'm going to do this is is that I want you you folks to be able to be aware that we are archiving uh, these these programs. Now, so this is a little mini magic course, and and uh, so if we're, we're going to discuss what we've done at each one of these shows and and say a little bit about it, and uh, encourage you to go back and to and to uh, go into the archives and listen to them. So next week, uh, be sure to call in next week too. We appreciated the call-ins tonight, and uh, uh, we'll see you next week. And we will review our whole program up to this point, and then uh, we'll we'll start again the following week with uh, with a new uh, with a new topic. And so uh, until next week, uh, good magic, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye bye.